Welcome to the Books, Beers and Burgers podcast. I'm Ben Hobson, and each month my plan is to interview your favourite authors about their favourite books. And we might have a beer and burger along the way. We're a part of the Words and Nerds Literary Podcast Network, so big thanks to Danny V for all she does behind the scenes. For this podcast, guys, I thought we'd do something a little bit different because writers are not actually born the moment their book hits the shelves, which is, I think, a trap that every single person can fall into believing that, you know, we just sort of genied out of nowhere and suddenly we're there. And I can speak from my personal experience. I know it was really strange that I was writing for nine to 10 years without people thinking about like, like I knew what I was doing. And then all of a sudden I had a book out and everyone was asking me questions about my ideas about craft and things like that. So that's the vibe of this podcast. I've selected a, a an expert panel of, I would consider emerging slash established slash new, just people on their journeys with writing in a lot of different respects. And I wanted to start by, I guess what I want to do is really say that I knew these people before they became famous. That's really what I'm trying to aim for. <laughs> so before they made it big, Ben Hobson saw, saw their potential. Um, so that's my three guests today. And now I wanted to actually introduce these guests in a bit of a fun way. Uh, so what I'm going to do, and this is going to be a bit awkward for all of you, because I didn't tell you I was going to do this. Um, I'm actually going to read out your author bio to introduce you. And then we're going to talk about your bio. Because I, I don't like my bio, the original one I wrote. And it is such an art and it is such a, can I say, it is such a cringe whenever I go to an event and they introduce me and they read that old bio I wrote. And I've constantly like edited it and changed it, but that first one just stuck. So I'm going to be reading your bios and introducing you one at a time, um, this established panel. All right. So first off, we have Danuka McKenzie is an Australian writer and book addict. Her debut crime fiction manuscript, The Torrent, won the 2020 Banjo Prize, entered as Flood Debris, and will be published by HarperCollins Australia in like a few days. That's not the that's not the bio, but it's very, very soon, which we're very excited about. Her unpublished manuscript, Taken, was longlisted for the 2020 Rochelle Prize. She is represented by Alex Adsit Literary. When not writing, Danuka works in the environmental sector and volunteers as part of the team behind the Writers Unleashed Festival. She lives in Southern Sydney with her husband, two kids, and their pet chicken. Let's welcome Danuka, everybody. Weird ghosts in the background. Yay. Uh, so uh, I really like this bio. I think it's a good one. It's short. It's sweet. You've got some accolades in there. The torrent is right there. Uh, talk, talk to us, Danuka, about writing your bio. And was that fun for you to have it read out to introduce you? I'm sure you've had that a few times by now. Um, I don't think I have, actually. I think that is the first time it's actually been read out. Like, I've seen it yeah. in the actual book, yeah. <laughs> I've seen it in the, you know, like the typeset book or whatever. But I, I honestly don't think anyone's read it out before. So, yes, you're the first one. Yes. So, um, yes. How did it, My how did it feel? It feels good, but like you know, you were saying like, how did I write it? Well, that is literally the entire history of my writing career. So <laughs> that is it, baby. 
We had nothing else up there, yeah. But, but I had literally nothing else to put on there. If I did, I would. So that that is it. So it's it's short because out of necessity rather than because I've got such a long um, career that I've had to, like, cut no, and but, make it up. But, but no, that's what even it is. If, even if it was long, like, I, I've, you know, I've been to at some festivals where the author bio, like, takes, it seems to take longer than the actual conversation does. Like, it's just thing after thing. Like, I still think keeping it short and sweet is clever. And I really like the ending with the uh, the two kids and their pet chicken. It just makes you sound fun, like I want to talk to you. You're a real human being. It's nice. That's right. Okay, cool. Thanks. No, so the oh, one chicken is the chicken that's been whittled down from many, many, many chickens. Oh. That's the only one that's currently still surviving. So it's not, you know, we haven't killed them. Just, no, what are you doing to your chickens? The final like, one that survived, huh? You're researching your crime stories on your chickens, are you? That's concerning. No, 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 no. no they're just, they're just have very short lifespans. Battle Royale for chips. <laughs> I know, I guess. Sounds kind of horrific. <laughs> I feel bad now because you probably these are probably beloved pets that I'm just making a joke of. No, I'm sure I'm very sad about the chickens. Um and obviously the torrent is right around the corner and I wanted to pick your brains on that all over the place. But what's it feel like? Like it's so close to being released. How are you feeling? It is, yeah, so all the feels, I feel sort of really sort of, actually now I am feeling excited. I, well, I was sort of in this huge kind of mess of anxiety probably before Christmas. Mm. Um, and, yeah, but now I'm feeling probably a tiny bit more settled about it. But now it's this this publicity cycle is starting, you know, and I'm yeah. having to be articulate about stuff and, you know, and, and people start asking about why you did stuff and you're like, I don't know, I just did it. And now I'm going to have a proper answer for that. Like, oh, yeah, you know, you have to like you look back and sort of go, why did I do that? Yeah. So I think that is more sort of I'm starting to get my head around that. And, and um, in particular this week I had a rush of emails go oh can you do this and can you do this and can you do this? and I'm like oh, oh, yeah like, I guess so yes 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 and then yeah. you know so it, yeah so it, I'm in that space where it's all happening yes all <laughs> happening yeah and look it, it's a thing a thing that took me a while and that you know take take my advice or don't take my advice because I'm you know who am I but um something that I've learned is like just just it's okay to just say well I don't know like I just did you know it's okay to talk from that perspective because I think sometimes when I started out, I tried to make myself sound like I knew way more maybe than what I, like I tried to front up a little bit, but you just got to be yourself as with the writing as well, obviously, which I think you'll do great at Danuka. So far, you're doing really well with this interview. <laughs> yeah. Can you see the sweat bus? No, I can't. No. Machine of, you, can, you can tell. Oh, no. This is. It's going to be me at the launch. See that? Yeah, this, yeah. this sheen. Anyway, yeah, keep going. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So now we're going to move on to our next guest. Uh, now, this next guest, I actually had to steal your bio from Twitter. This is Alex Duke. Am I saying that right? Or is it? I actually don't know. I don't think I've ever said your last name out loud. Is it Alex Duke? You got it right. Yes. Some people say Duke, but it is Duke. So. Yes. And now I had to steal your bio from Twitter because I don't think you actually have like a proper official author website. Correct me if I'm wrong. I did do research. I don't. Yes. All right. Sorry. Not yes. All right. That's great. Yes. As in I didn't <laughs> fail <laughs> in my research. All right. So you said this. 
in Twitter. I saw your Twitter bio. It says, Australian crime writer, long-listed 2019 Fogarty Literary Award, highly commended 2021 Fogarty Literary Award. Someone give me a book deal, full stop. And that's your bio. <laughs> Can someone give me a book deal? Uh, what more do you want? I wish I could. Yeah, what, do you, what more do you want? I love this one. I think it's got a great sense of humor. Um, but I wanted to start, man. Like, where are you at with your journey? Uh, where are you at with the journey? Because you, you've just said there you've got two things, highly commended and long-listed, like you're writing good stuff. Um, where are we sitting with your writing and where your head's at with it at the moment? Um, yeah, so I think like, I mean, I think I have a bit of a similar um, story to you, Ben, in, in a way, because I think I've been sort of writing as seriously as I can for, well, probably over 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think written, you know, plenty of sort of things that have gone nowhere. Um, as is, you know, often the case. Yeah. And I think what, I think the mistake I made though, well, I mean, it's not really a mistake. It's just sort of you, you go down roads and they might not yeah. be the right roads to go down. I call it a journey. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I think I spent like a lot of time writing stuff that I, you know, as in like literally years, writing stuff that I didn't even necessarily really like, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah, I think there was types of books that I really admired um, and wanted to write, but maybe felt a bit intimidated by. So I would sort of, I spent quite a long time doing other stuff, which I, at times feels like, um, oh man, I wish I could have just cut that all that out and go to what I'm doing now, which I think I'm, you know, like is a lot more me. Yeah. But then like, you know, it's all a journey. So it all adds up to something along the way. So, um, what I'm, what I'm uh, much more entrenched in now is uh, crime writing. Um, so both those, uh, so um, the you mentioned 2019 Fogarty Award that was for a book called uh, No Answer, which is a crime thriller set in Perth, mm-hmm. where I am in the um, the Independent Republic of Western Australia, as we like to call it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the and that that was sort of like a um, a standalone thriller. And the 2021 Fogarty um, Award, uh, highly commended, was is the um, is more of like a kind of detective mystery, mm. also set in Perth. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where I'm at with those books, um, I feel like uh, it's the. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's once a once a, a writer reaches like a certain level you're kind of in this like weird position where you get like you submit things to agents and stuff and they express interest and then they read the whole thing but it doesn't quite get over the line so yeah. that's sort of like where I am at the moment where it's this you're sort of like you've gone far enough to know that you can kind of get to the other side but yeah. you're not necessarily over the other side yet yeah there's sort of like it's a last purgatory yeah, it's like a last hurdle. And then that purgatory is not a fun place to be. On the other hand, though, like, I mean, it's, you know, you'd obviously rather have the book deal, but like, it's not like that bad. You know, you're still, you know, writing and creating stories and stuff and, you know, hopefully doing doing good work. Like, it could be worse, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, a thing that sort of makes us feel all better when we're still in that position is that we just need to keep coming back to the work and just feeling really, really chuffed on the work and feeling really excited by it and just focusing on like, I'm just going to write the best thing I can possibly write. But it's still at the end of the day, like we write, so we have an audience, right? So um, it can it can be a really hard spot to be in because that's what you want. You want you want people to read your stuff. You want to have conversations like the conversation we're having now. Like I remember, I used to dream about being invited onto you know a podcast and talking about my ideas about writing and life and things like that. That's what um that's what books do for me anyway. That's why I like. And on my- that on that actually, I think that's um. One thing I started doing a couple of years ago was just like reaching out to authors to like, you know, email them or whatever. And um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think because like it's such a common sort of um, place to be mm. in terms of like kind of knowing that you can you can kind of get there but not getting there yet. That um, every writer I've ever spoken to has been incredibly generous with their time and. Uh, so it's a it's a very nice community to be a part of. Everyone sort of likes to build each other up, which is which is really nice. Yeah, I definitely find that too. Um, all right, we'll move on. Thank you, Alex. We'll move on to um, our very final guest today, which is Adam Byatt. And I'm going to read out your bio, Adam. Adam lives... And actually, sorry, I had to actually take your bio from your website. And the website... Oh. The website's more of like an about me sort of thing. So it go, it's a bit longer, which it should be. Um, so I've taken a few snippets of it. So I'm going to read it out here. Um, Adam lives on Durg land in Sydney, Australia. He's a high school English teacher and occasional drummer with an interest in literary pursuits, creative endeavors, rhythmic permutations, theological amplifications and comedic outbursts. Surprisingly, being a high school English teacher yields few ideas. Perhaps he just isn't looking hard enough. His first and collaborative novel, Postmarks Piper's Reach, with his writing partner, Jody Cleghorn, is out via Vine Leaves Press. His latest work, Mount Pleasant, the Jar Writers Collective 2021, explores the suburban landscape of Western Sydney and was inspired by the music of, uh, I can never say the name of the band, Soul Curry. It's like, uh, can you say the band? Soul Curry. Soul Curry? Uh, um, yeah. Soul Curry, yes. Okay. <laughs> So Adam, you've you've gone on a bit of a different path. Um, so you've sort of opted to do um, self-publish a couple of books and with a writing partner, and you've written some uh, sort of stories, and you've you've sort of gone a bit snaky around sort of traditional publishing. Um, can I just ask, just right from the bat, like, what are your thoughts about self-publishing versus traditional publishing, and why you've gone that route? And just wanted to unpack your thoughts on that. Oh, for me, I'd love to go the traditional route. Like that's one of my goals is to pursue that, grab an agent, get mainstream publication. But part of being, uh, I think, a writer is looking for other opportunities. Mm. And the self-publishing route gives you that chance to experiment with things that aren't necessarily the mainstream. Mm. And the whole reason behind our jar writers collectives the the three of us that write we all come from very different backgrounds and we have very different writing styles and focuses in what we want to write and yet the three of us when together can create and support each other in very different ways and promote each other's work Mm. so while i tend to write more 
for one of a better term, or what I call suburban realism, that kind of literary fiction idea, but not as, as intelligent. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Why, why do you think not as intelligent? Is that, <laughs> is that just, you know, self-effacing sort of thing or? Oh, pretty much. Like, I, like you read, you read uh, proper literary fiction and I just go, what? No, I can't do that. Um, so I come down, down a level and you go for the suburban realism. Um, <laughs> whereas, whereas Jody, as my writing partner, we wrote this novel together by hand as letters. Uh, and that was one thing that we did as... Yeah, cool. Just for the fun of it. But Jody also writes really dark, speculative fiction. Mm. Uh, and so she's one of her um, self-publishing titles was a, what she calls birth punk. So taking like that Margaret Atwood style in Handmaid's Tale and going in like almost a step further and being very specific around uh, birth, pregnancy, uh, mm. that kind of area, which yeah. is far more particular than I am. And so having that hand in like both areas, I think plays for a different way of exploring. Yeah. So, well, because Jodie's got a, a background, <clears throat> pardon me, in publishing uh, like small anthologies has, has been for a long, long time, which is how I first met her. And so using her know-how to use the systems and use the, uh, the tools to our advantage, we can actually put out stuff that we'd want to put out that we can do on a re more regular basis rather than waiting two, three years for it to get out there. Yeah, yeah. We can produce short works if we want to. So that's, I think, where where I'm coming from. Yeah, right. I do, I do want to explore that traditional route, but the self-publishing angle gives me a chance to do things like my chapbook from the beginning of last year, which was based around an album. I wrote 10 short stories based upon instrumental music from the city where I live and the guys in the band who live not too far from where I am and using that as inspiration to create narratives around music. So yeah. that would be an idea I wanted to do for a long time. So the self-publishing gave me a chance to do that and go through all that process of writing and editing and creating uh, and then releasing a small piece of work. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like less, there's less, uh, you, you might just release something that might be like a very niche thing, whereas traditional publishing sort of, aims for obviously a much bigger audience. And so because you're aiming for that sort of that niche crowd, you can sort of release something for that. Whereas with traditional publishers might not see the market for those sorts of things. Yeah. And so the, our novel, well, my first novel, which is co-written with JD, went out through a small press based in Melbourne and Greece. Um, and I know that, you know, I'm working on another aspect of that, which will have another, like a novella to tie into that. And Jody's working on a on novel, which ties into that as well. So we could probably self-publish those in our own time once we get them finished, which is taking time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's always something going on. Now, normally what we do in this podcast is that I read books, favorite books from, from authors and we talk about their favorite reads. And because this is, uh, I really wanted to focus on your journeys and the, and the way you've come to writing and, and how you've learned your craft, I asked what sort of books you guys read to practice and hone your craft. And it was really funny because pretty much unanimously, I got back the answers that we don't read books on writing and the craft, which is totally fine. And I like this. 
it actually made my life easier because I didn't have to read as many books, let's be honest. Um, but you guys uh, tend to really learn your craft through, I think, podcasts like this and articles and um, probably lectures and things like that. But I just wanted to talk about where you learn your craft and maybe some really cool resources you might want to highlight for other aspiring authors who are listening to this podcast as well. Um, let's start with you, Alex. What's, what's you know, if you could name maybe one or two, what's some really great resources that you love that have helped your craft in your writing? Um, so <laughs> I love that you start with me with this because I'm the one who is the least likely to <laughs> to uh, uh, read things to, to go for writing craft. Yeah, look, I think there's like, there's, you know, many, many, um, uh, podcasts that exist, which, and whenever I've listened to any of them, um, you know, I mean, there's loads of like, there's loads of, um, Australian ones, obviously things like the Garrett, uh, first time, mm. um, obviously this one. Words and nerds. Yep. You genius. Yeah. Um, that I, th I think they're really, really helpful. Um, but I would say, I would say for me personally, like, I have, I, I kind of learn, have to learn by doing. Yeah. That makes sense. Totally, yeah. So like, sure. If I were to, if I were to read or a book or, um, or an article or listen to a podcast about, um, I don't know, say something, something like, um, uh, what makes an active protagonist? I, and I know this because I did it in the past. <laughs> was that I would read that stuff and I'd be like, oh yeah, I get it. And then I'd go write something and the protagonist would be completely passive and crappy. No, no it wasn't working. And, but by doing that, I would then learn by basically making a mistake and then sort of like kind of going back and seeing the mistake that I made. And mm -hmm. it was almost like only retrospectively that any advice has actually like made sense which is um, not like the most efficient way to learn, I guess. Um, but that, that for me has always been the thing. It's, it's less about kind of consuming educational resources and more about um, basically doing as much as you can and then yeah. uh, being very open to the fact that you may have done, not done it very well and there's things that you can improve upon. Yeah. That's, that's a really good way to go. I think that's, I think that's absolutely totally, um, right on. Like you, you are a reader. And so when you read your own stuff back, yeah, you're going to sort of, it's pretty remarkable. You can sort of puzzle out what you need to improve and things like that in the editing. So that's really cool. So you sort of just learn by doing, um, yeah. And I, I'd say also just, um, when you say like you are, uh, you are a reader, like, I mean, there's, there's writing and, um, trying things out and, perhaps not succeeding and then reevaluating it, but also reading like widely, um, mm. you know, say like, you know, I said, like if you're a crime writer, you obviously have to, you obviously read a lot of crime, but then also like reading beyond that genre as well. Yes. Um, reading as widely as you can. I think I'm convinced you just learn things through osmosis and you, you eventually learn it's almost like when you read something of your own thing you're like oh i know that's not it it doesn't read right but i know what i can change it to how it should be if that makes yeah. sense yeah for sure for sure um uh thanks for that alex danuka what about you what are some resources that you've really loved in your journey 
yeah, for me, I think very much um, like what Alex was saying, you know, the writing itself has been quite um, instinctive in that sense because I think I wrote uh, not to be a writer you know I had no ambitions of writing per se um yeah. you know I wrote for very kind of personal reasons to kind of carve out a little bit of um something for myself when I was sort of in the midst of sort of kids and you know that whole phase in my life where yeah, for sure. everyone seemed to sort of want a piece of me and I you know the writing was really a, a way of really carving out that space for me where I wasn't a mother or a wife or a you know, whatever. Employee. It was your own sort of space. Yeah, I understand. Exactly. Yeah. So, so in that sense, I had no real uh, like point of reference in that sense because it was like I wasn't part of a writing community. I didn't know writing centres existed. I didn't know podcasts existed. You know, like in that sense. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't, you know, it wasn't something like oh, I'll read a book about writing and then I'll and I'll you know and then I'll write. It was just something I did. And then afterwards I went, oh, there's this whole community out there. And then I started kind of listening and 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 self-evaluating and going, oh okay, actually that's that's that thing is really helpful. And then you know I'd, I'd kind of apply it to my own kind of thing. So uh, you know I found I, I find the podcasts useful because it's it's just helpful to hear other people going through the exact same thing yeah. that you, you are going through yeah. and seeing how they work and that just that same experience and the fact that you know so in a way you kind of go oh okay like in a weird way you can feel like if you're close or you're not close at all because you can kind of feel that same tempo in someone else's journey um so so I think that the the um podcasts have been really helpful just to hear other writers talk and go okay well this has been my experience and you go oh phew okay that's that you know you know what I mean my my weird anxieties feel like normal yeah type thing totally Um, and and what yeah. And, and what I tend to do is sort of like um, if I'm having an issue with a particular part of the writing or like, you know, like, you know, when I started thinking about act- actual resources for writing, I had actually put down a first draft. So so then um, I just started, you know, finding the writing community and found various kind of courses and whatever and things I found, like one of the courses that I still um, look back and go, that was a really helpful course was a course through uh, that Nick Earls ran. It was just like a workshop. Like it was a, I think it was like maybe a two hour workshop or something yeah. online. Nick Earls ran it through the Queensland Writers' Centre and it was about um, the beginnings and endings of chapters so not the first and last chapter of your book, but how to how each chapter should start and how it should end. Like yeah, what right. a beginning of a chapter should do and what an ending of a chapter should do. Yeah. And for me, as a you know, as as someone wanting to write commercial fiction, that is what commercial fiction needs to do. It needs to get you to yeah. turn that page. And it was yeah. such a helpful kind of you know just just it was a very specific thing and it was so useful and that was exactly what I needed at that particular moment in time so yeah so I mean just to pick a particular thing but yeah that was really helpful um just as a specific kind of course yeah yeah right yeah and there's lots of writer centers all around the um all around Australia that offer courses all year round so I do encourage people in podcast land to go and actually have a listen and and just have a browse and see because, like you say, you never know. You never know what sort of specific piece you can take away. And it can also be something that's completely offhand from the author as well. You're like, oh, okay, and sort of just unpicks or unlocks something in your own uh, craft. 
Thank you, Svetha Danuka. Um, Adam, we'll turn to you. Uh, what's something that you've really found has been helpful to you, mate? When I first started writing, and this is going back about probably 12 years ago, when I decided, okay, I'm going to actually do this writing thing, I thought, where do I start? What's going to be my launching point? Because I knew that I couldn't write an entire novel on the first go. Like, that wasn't going to happen. So for me, it was a case of, all right, just hit Google and go for a bit of explore. Mm. And so I began to find resources, connections, ideas. And so I came across a, a website that had a weekly writing prompt. So, you know, here's a prompt every Friday, a thousand words, rough as guts, do your draft, put it on your blog, link back here, and you can come back and read each other's work. And so that little community that I was able to grab a hold of meant that I was for about a year writing a thousand words a week on a story. I was able to go and read other people's work. They read mine. We gave feedback backwards and forwards and getting that sense of does this work or does it not work? And people pointing out to you what was good about your narrative or what was lacking or what you could perhaps improve on. And at the same time, I'm then going through looking at blogs and, and other writing websites asking, okay, well, how do I write a scene? What am I looking for in a piece of flash fiction? And can that then work in my own weekly um, constructions? Mm. And so that became the process. And so by 2012, um, Jody and I had had planned for this novel or this project, which became our novel. And in writing a letter, you're pretty much writing a chapter. Mm. So you have that little introduction. You start connecting to what's happened before. You then provide that new context in the chapter and then you get to the very end of it and you hint at what might come next. So that felt like a real natural process for me to learn that step by step. And so we got to a point in the writing process where we just thought like, well, I had a, a moment going, okay, I know that if this is to become a novel, then something has to happen. It can't just be two characters talking about their life. What's gonna really push this novel, um, this or this narrative forward? And I got a text from Jody one afternoon and was uh, she said I had this idea from her character and a particular line of dialogue and I went okay I know exactly what I'm going to do now I can actually absolutely destroy my character and have fun with it mm. so absolutely uh, ripped my character's world apart but that was what kept the narrative going learning how you take those stakes in a piece of work and add to it develop it grow it through the connections of your characters yeah right so that was that learning by doing, but for me, like as a teacher by trade, I kind of also want to know how the bits work together and why. Yeah. yeah. But in knowing that if a narrative has to have beats or arcs or tempo steps that you can follow, then how do they work? Why do they work? What is the point of having a three act structure or a five act structure? If Shakespeare used it, then you know there's a point to it kind of thing. Uh, one thing that a few people, a few of you guys mentioned was that you had read Stephen King's book on writing, which feels to me like nearly every single author I talk to has read a copy of On Writing. Um, and if you haven't, you've probably had the same advice given to you by other authors because it just seems to be like a, like a real um, tome that everyone goes to, something everyone comes back to. So I thought it would be fun. I was going to, I took a few gems out of his book and I just wanted to throw them to all three of you just to see what you, what you, what you think is interesting, what you disagree with maybe. Um, yeah, just to hear your thoughts on all of these different rules. If you've got thoughts, 
Okay, if you don't have any thoughts as well, because I'll fill in the silences, maybe. I don't know. We'll see how we go. All right. So the first one is this. First, write for yourself and then worry about your audience. What do you guys think? I, I would agree with that. <laughs> Absolutely. I honestly think that if I had... Uh, you know, like that first draft, I wrote absolutely for myself with no, you know, with no relation to anybody else. Um, and I honestly think if potentially if I had, you know, been sort of known all the things I do now, um, I there's a very large chance that I would have never written because the anxiety would have got so bad that I would have mm. convinced myself that I wasn't good enough to do this, you know, that yeah, I yeah. did not have the skills, I was not good enough, who was I to even attempt this? And absolutely, you know, like, um, you know, and, but now that I've done one, I feel like I can do another one, if you know what I mean. So it, yeah, has sure. a, it, it, it creates that own effect, but I, I totally agree with that. Um, that, that has definitely run um, true for me. Yeah, I think another angle for me on that one is that when you sit down to write, you are telling yourself the story and you're telling yourself what that is. And I think he, he mentioned that in, in his book as well, that the first time you're writing it, you're unpacking the story for yourself. Hmm. And once you've gotten to the end, you can then go back and see what you're, the story you're telling and then flesh it out for, for your desired reader at the end of it yeah so right. I know at the moment i'm working on a, a like a novella and i know that i'm going to have to write myself into it in the first draft because i'm still working out what is the story i'm telling so i'm telling myself the story more than anything else and it, on this pass mm. knowing full knowing full well when i when i get to the end of it i will have a clear idea of what i'm trying to say with it and then i can then go back and fine-tune some characterization. I can fine-tune the language across multiple edits. Um, and that's not normally what I do. I do prefer to have the end and everything fully fledged before I start. But I know that for this time round, I need to write myself, myself into this idea. And so the first time is for permission to write badly. Mm. Permission, permission to write whatever comes to mind and it could be rubbish it could be a gem it could be a mixture of both but you keep just throwing on the page to see what it is that you're thinking about and to process your thinking to process your understanding the meaning of what you're going for in that particular story yeah yeah like i totally understand um i think that's right on um but do i know that a lot of the time when i'm writing like i'll write something and i'll think okay well as an example um, actually, I think it's on the cover of your book, and I'm certainly not saying this, Danuka. I have your book here. Um, does it say this? Where is it? Yes. Uh, I, I must read The Lovers of Crime. Rural, rural, rural. Oh, gosh. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. That's your fault that I stuffed that word up. Okay. That's not me just making my own. Okay. Rural noir, that whole outback driven crime thing. Now, that's what this is sort of pegged as fitting into. And I'm certainly, what I think what happened with you is that you just love those books and you wrote that. But in my mind, sometimes I go, this is popular now. This is something that people like. They like, you know, an attractive protagonist or they like 
uh, an action scene that happens at the end of act one. Like, do you guys ever have those thoughts that go through your mind? Like you're writing to fit a preconceived idea of what the audience wants or when you're writing, do you just create out of like this intuitive, I'm just going to do what I feel like thing. Or is there a mix? Like I'm just, this is sort of where I'm coming from. What about you, Alex? What do you think? I feel like with say, okay. So say with something like crime, which is, um, I think, I think with things like literary fiction, it's a little, uh, looser, um, because the reason people read it is sort of more for the, you know, the, uh, art, artful prose, hmm. um, as yeah. Uh, but with something like, um, crime or, you know, other kind of more defined genres, like when someone picks up a, when a reader picks up a book, there, there are certain expectations of the genre that they, that you kind of have to meet or you have to subvert them in a way that's more satisfying than what the original expectation was. But having said that as well, um, you do have to, I do think it, it's, you do have to write for yourself before you write for the audience. Mm. Does that make sense? Which yeah. it sounds quite contradictory. Um, but I, th- I actually think like if, if you can work within, I, it's, you know, it's like that thing where, um, uh, actually, no, I'm, a good, a good example, I think, is, um, you know, uh, the White Stripes. Yeah. Um, so their whole musical style was super stripped down and very rudimentary. And that when you're so restrained or when you're restrained by uh, that sort of thing, then you can be, you have to be really, really creative mm. in how you express yourself. So if you look at... Um, I think if you look at genre conventions as a uh, not ne- not necessarily like a um, a negative thing, but almost like a challenge to be more creative, mm. then that can be really useful. And I actually think as well, like writing for and again, this sounds contradictory, but writing for yourself over an audience actually I think makes commercial sense because if you bring your own unique voice to how you do something, then that's going to stand out uh, mm. amongst other other work. If you try to, you know, just do exactly what's expected, then, I mean, because of the way traditional publishing works, at least if you're trying to do, you know, uh, if you look at a book that came out six months ago, then it was actually written like, you know, two and a half years ago or something. So yeah. you, you can't really like chase that. that no. much. So I think it's... um. Actually, yeah, going in with um, writing for yourself uh, in that terms of like your voice is it makes a lot of sense. Do you think you can like if you guys ever read a book and we don't need to name names, obviously, but where you can sort of sense the author is doing something that maybe wasn't that doesn't feel authentic. You know what I mean? Like, I think this is what we're getting down to with this discussion, right? is that writing for yourself and writing from an intuitive place that is born from what your interests are and the type of books you want to read and just that thing, that spark that makes you who you are and why your books would be special versus like putting on a bit of a costume and pretending and and making a sort of a, maybe it feels a little bit more inauthentic or can we even tell the difference? Like, have you guys ever read a book like that? That's a big question, I know, but yeah, I think about I this mean, stuff. I- I, I of course have and but I but I you know I also think like that's fine like if you do that 
Um, yeah, for as sure. As long as the reader kind of has a has a good time. He's um, entertained and yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Yeah, yeah. But like, I think yeah, maybe but... it's less. Maybe it's less successful. Like maybe it's less special. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it depends what the aim. The aim is. Yeah, I think of the of the book. If the yeah, sorry, Adam. Yeah. I, I think too, from the point of view of the reader, what are they expecting from the text? Because I think as writers, we see behind the curtain all the time. We know how this works. We know how this all goes together, and if you are a ghostwriter, then you're writing to a specific formula or voice or style mm. to create something either in the style of a particular author or a particular genre. And for some audiences or readers, that's, that's just what they want. They want that in, engaging, turn the page, keep going and enjoy it. Mm. Um, and as writers, we might see the prose as pedestrian or simple, but yet it's engaging a reader. And in doing so, I don't think we should ever take away from the reader of their enjoyment. Mm. As, as writers, we can certainly be lovers and purveyors of language and do with it what we want to do and to create an engaging text. But if we're doing that to show off, perhaps we've, we've taken the wrong step. And maybe in the first draft, you, you get all the, the stuff out and then you just prune back. Mm. to a level that's that's still story and character and meaning not just lovely words in, in a lovely order mm. you're so right Adam because I think also because we are writers and we read a lot and we read very broadly so you know you notice you know like we're far more discerning in that way like you notice whatever um whereas i think readers often have a favorite genre or you know that and they are you know there are many readers who only say read 12 books a year or whatever um mm. you know who who'll, who'll take a few books to their summer holiday um you know and and that's that's fine you know that's okay i mean you know ideally you want them to read more but you know i think we are we probably notice way more things than a reader would and that's fine because that is that that part of, I mean, hopefully you are noticing that because you're getting better at your craft. And so, you know, that, that's part of, you know, you learning. But um, but the the wide, the more widely you read, the more things like this you notice and the more things you question yeah. uh, about that from a writer's point of view. But I, I'm not sure that a reader necessarily does that apart from readers who are so entrenched in a genre so there are some like super fans of a certain you know thriller genre or whatever and you know woe betide the like the the sort of the 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 marketing person who gets that wrong like rather than calling that a thriller like if they call a police procedural a thriller like they will you know you know what yes, I mean like absolutely. the reader will review that and they will absolutely you know trash it because that is not a thriller or whatever you know because so there are some super fans who absolutely know what a thriller is what a you know what noir is what a you know whatever those you mm-hmm. know and and if if you get that wrong in terms of the marketing that's where you're going to get I think. Mm. Um, so I think that's a part of a marketing thing as well and I, I certainly when I was writing I didn't think about any of that but when I was pitching, I had to think about that. I had to specifically yeah, think about that. That's a very different. And then when thing, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and that was a like a totally different set of skills where I had to work out, okay, where does this now actually fit, and actually learn the term police procedure because I actually didn't know that. Like I, I just read detective fiction 
all through, you know, my 20s. I didn't know that was called a police procedural. I had no idea. (laughs) But when I was pitching it, I had to, yeah, exactly. I had to, you know, I learned that term. And, yeah, and then you you pitch things like that and, and you find your comp titles and all the rest of it, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, no, like, thanks, Diego. I totally understand. Yeah, it is a lot about sort of meeting audience expectations. Absolutely. Like we are, authors are entertainers, sort of. I mean, I guess it's a strange thing, isn't it? Because you sort of err between entertainment, like that page turny thing, and maybe certain genres fall into that more than others. But then on the opposite side, like books can be really um moving and insightful and do things into your own um like make you question things about your own life and things like that that uh and philosophy and uh, books are strange like that hey like they can just do so many different things um have you guys ever written something that you just felt really like gross about like because i have i've written stuff that i feel like at the end i'm like oh i was just trying to be someone else like i wasn't that wasn't truly who i am as a person and oftentimes it will take an edit and I'll go back and I'll be like, nah, God, like to become a whale, as an example, I wrote that whole thing in one voice. And it wasn't until I went and saw Rowan Wilson speak and he was talking about how he loved all the same authors that I loved. And I was like, are you serious? I can just write how I want to write. And I went back to that book and I rewrote it from page one in a style and a voice that was much more something that I liked rather than me trying to put on a different type of, I guess, a disguise to trick people into liking me. I don't know what it was, but have you ever written stuff that you just felt like, oh, that's just not, that's not it yet. That's not the thing that I want it to be. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Doesn't doesn't everyone? (laughs) Well, I don't know. Danuka was just saying, like, this is her first book, right, Danuka? What the heck? Yeah, but oh, she she's one of sweet. these people who just hits it out of the park first time. Yeah, she's yeah. Well, not, not like no. us. Can, can I just <laughs> like say that you know? Yeah, but like, can I just say like with with this book, it is not just me. I mean, you know, going back to sort of, I think you've original question about what was really helpful I was thinking you know like you specifically talked about resources but actually what has been the most helpful thing in for my journey is been the feedback like the feedback and the mentorship that I have been lucky enough to get so every single step of the way I have benefited from someone saying that's not working (laughs) go and fix it and and you know this is what's not working I mean they never told me this is how you should fix it I, I went back and had to work that out but they went well you're trying to write a crime novel and it's not pacey that, you know, there's like multiple, you know, points of view. It's not working Why all these, you know, this is a nice little piece of writing, but it doesn't need to be there. You know, do you really need that character? Blah, blah, blah. And, and they were, and essentially for me, I feel like this is my apprenticeship novel and I, and I cannot believe it. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. as much a surprise to me, like this was meant to be my apprenticeship novel where I learned it all and, you know, hopefully, the next one gets published but you know I was lucky enough that it that it made it so um to me it was always the 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 feedback that people again with this very generous writing community were happy enough to give me their time like particularly people like M Viskich who you know Mm. like on Twitter she gives feedback to emerging writers and she literally says in her tweet I will give you feedback in for three chapters and she read my whole manuscript and get you know like who does that like who does that you know what I mean like that is she's just that's just entirely someone's generosity right like and I have benefited from that for no good reason apart from just being there (laughs) 
like, you know. Yeah. So, so like, I'm just the lucky recipient of that. Like, so, you know, I don't take any of that. I mean, that's not me. That's, that's, and her, her feedback and all the changes I made in relation to her feedback, that was the version that went into the banjo. Like, you know, so it's not, you know, it's not this, oh, I'm like, it all yeah, came yeah, out yeah. like that. It just didn't. You know? No, no. I feel like what we need to start to push is that you just, Woke up one day and sat down and boom, in one go, this brilliant thing came out. That's what. That's right. That is the official version. This yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. sure. Hey, just talking about that, though, and I think we've talked about this a little bit, and I had a question later on, but I want to bring it up here because we've talked about it so much already, is this idea of community. Um, so I think all of you guys are all uh, absolutely present as far as the writing community goes. Um, I know that I think all, I think Alex and Danuka, you make it to a lot of live events, especially Adam, do you much go to the open, like the live stuff or you, you, cause I know you're very present on Twitter and Facebook and you write your, your blog. And so you've got sort of a bit more of an internet community minded thing, but you're all, all over it. Um, I guess the question is like, in regard to what you were just saying, Danuka with Emma, like, is there any other sort of things that you get from the writing community? Is it very important for writers to build that community? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I didn't actually realise how important it was until <laughs> I was part of it and I was benefiting from it. So, I mean, I think when I initially sort of started getting on Twitter and all that, it was more sort of, it was like a building that professional kind of, okay, what are the events that are going on? And, you know, like you, you get that stuff, you know, through that, um, network, but what I didn't realize is that you actually make all these incredible friends mm. who are going through, um, and particularly sort of, um, I guess, emerging writers where you're like, okay, well, this is like the class of 2022, you know, type of type <laughs> thing. You kind of get that kind of this little wave, and yeah. and um, like for example, like with us, um, you know, like uh, you know, we created a little Twitter, you know, gang or book gang or. <laughs> this ridiculous title that we've given ourselves but um, it was all the debuts um, (laughs) this um this debuts that are coming out in 2022 right and and so we meet up like on zoom you know maybe once a month-ish um and you know and we're all and we're on a sort of an email group and a whatsapp group and we're sort of basically chatting through our anxieties and celebrating each other on twitter and on social media so we're all cheering yeah each other on and I think that was started last year in 2021 that exactly the same thing we just stole that idea but um, <laughs> you know but um you know but essentially you, you've got people to go yeah you know and retweet your stuff and like it, it is and you've got people to come to your launches and and you feel like you're part of yeah the 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 class of 2022 or whatever it is and I, I think it's just lovely you know because they mm-hmm. they know exactly what you're going through and you can ask those questions go oh god like you know you know those things while you're going through editing and whatever oh what does that mean like you know and you have that person to bounce things off so yeah, yeah I've made some actually some incredible friends through through Twitter which is a sentence I never thought I would say but anyway there you go. yeah no totally I mean <laughs> hey let's be honest like would we all be here talking like this if not for Twitter like I've met I think all of you guys off Twitter and Danuka I know I met you um while I was doing my Snake Island thing right yes yes and as um yeah and then as authors yeah yeah so yeah that was yeah that was awesome um but 
without without online connections we wouldn't have had this chat um adam what about you what are you finding community that maybe i mean you you're literally writing books as a community which is pretty cool that whole community aspect has been where i started from like i found a group of people who were contributing to a website writing every week and got to know them through that some have continued to write some haven't but in getting like an apprenticeship through writing through people who mentored me and coached me so particularly like Jody my writing partner she was the first person that I learned to edit from because she edited my stories um, for early anthologies and so I learned to do it by watching her do do it to my work mm. and then uh, having that community meant connections with other people around the place and so uh, while I'm not a very frequent attender of live events for a variety of reasons um, I've got this online community. And I think, Ben, I'm sort of connected with you because you put out one day saying, hey, I've got a manuscript. Does someone want to read it? And going, yes, please, I'll, I'll pick me. Mm-hmm. So I read the, the early version of Snake Island. You did. Um, it was very helpful. Which, is, which was amazing. Like, And so to have those connection points where you can talk to someone and politely ask a question and get feedback. And for me, I can see that, as I'm continuing on, I want to provide that for other new writers to say, if someone says, hey, listen, I've got something, can someone read for me? Go, yeah, I'll do it for you. You know, I'll put up a hand. And, like I'm not there yet in the same way that other people are, but I can still offer a helping hand where needed mm. because that I think is that sense of connection and camaraderie and you're not doing it alone as much as we sit by ourselves and hammer away at a keyboard in the hope that we write something good but we're able to actually have that connection point. So for my writing collective, the three of us, we got a little WhatsApp group. We was chatting there about ideas and fears and mm-hmm. things that are going well, things that are going bad. Where, where are we up to with certain things? And, you know, some days it's just a, a diatribe of woe is me. I'm having a terrible day. Um, <laughs> and, and other times it's a sense of, hey, I wrote this today. And you put it in the chat and someone goes, that's awesome. You go, yay. You know, like something, oh, you, get nice. a real, you get a response, you get a reaction, hmm. um, which makes you feel kind of chuffed. It is nice. Yeah. Like, cause, uh, you, you know, you, you write a piece of music, you record it on your iPhone, you send it to some people. It's very different with books for some reason. It's, I don't know, less, I don't know. I don't know what it is with books, but it's, with writing, it's just like you can show... You can show any old friend like a demo and they can be like, oh, I know music, I can get into this. But you show a friend a piece of writing, it's very hard for them to sort of relate to it in a way that I guess other authors would. And that's where online communities can come into real play. Um, Alex, what about you? What about your thoughts on community? Uh, Yeah, to be honest, like I resisted it for like a long time, like a really (laughs) long time, like years. Because, and I think like, I mean... I don't know this, but I suspect you'll relate to this, Ben. Um, at that start of that like decade-long writing uh, journey, when you're in your early twenties and you're a dude, and there's other <laughs> people like you writing that you don't necessarily want to hang around them that much because they're, you know, like writers, and it's a bit, it's a bit much. <laughs> so, um, sorry, people in podcast of- land. Alex just did a perfect. Uh, mimicry of the pretentious author um vibe i thought it was quite good you had to see it but it was very good (laughs) yeah 
Um, so I think that that kind of put me off uh, for a long time. Um, but then um, I don't remember like what tr triggered it off. It may, you know what? It actually, um, I think um, when I decided to kind of get into try actually try and get into local writing community stuff in good faith was when um, I went to the the library down, literally like a hundred meters down the road from me, um, crime author, superstar and Perth resident Dervla McTiernan, who sold about a 10 billion copies of her excellent crime novels. Mm -hmm. um, she was doing a talk and um, a funny thing about <laughs> writing events at public at libraries is the like odd mix of people who are on the library newsletter who turn up to them, which is always quite funny. Um, but afterwards I just went up and, you know, had a chat with her and um, I was kind of uh, struck by how uh, just nice and approachable this, you know, mega bestseller was. And, um, you know, then like I, emailed her like i'm not suggesting other people should be, i'm not like trying to throw her on the thing and say everyone no i understand yeah uh, anyone listening <laughs> don't just go out and email her name. <laughs> you can bleep out her name um <laughs> uh but you know then like uh we i think we exchanged a few emails and she gave me some advice and stuff and i was like oh my god like all there's actually there, these people are like these authors who you really admire, they walk amongst us and they're perfectly happy to sort of speak to people and um, help people out or even just say like, you know, keep going, have a, have a, keep on giving it, giving it a shot. Mm. Um, and so I, I think after that, I was kind of like, that was, that was, that was a nice, nice interaction. So yeah, after that, I kind of decided to, you know, engage a little bit more in the community. Yeah, it's it's a resounding thing with me. Most of the time when I talk to authors, it is very down to earth and very willing to talk and very willing to be encouraging. Like I think every every author's been in the spot where they've just felt the exact same things, um, where you feel like you're an imposter all the time, which is incredible to think about these famous authors who are so brilliant. But um, it seems to be almost universal is that we it's not you never feel that comfortable. <laughs> it's like. Um, or that you fully made it or whatever. You just always want to give back. Um, another thing from Stephen King, just to return to Stephen King's advice from his book on writing, he says this, and now I think this might cause a little bit of disagreement, but we'll see. He says, you have three months. That's how long it, sh it should take you to write your first draft. What do you guys think of that three months? I'll go first by saying R-O-N-G wrong. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's a couple of things that Stephen King says where I've made a note in my book that I think just said Stephen King's production schedule is bollocks <laughs> um, because, you know, you have to write 2,000 words a day or 1,000 words a day and you see that being put forward by authors or as advice to new writers and that's fantastic if you can but I think there's always for me the idea of an absolute you must do this to become a successful writer yeah i just go no i'm sorry there's a whole bunch of things in the background of my life that means i can't write a thousand words a day or i can do 10 words a day but i'm still a writer mm. i'm still putting words down on the page and the story will take as long to tell as it takes me 
because of the different things I have in the background. I can see that he's trying to say, if you want to make writing your life, you have to make it a priority. Yeah. And there's an element of sacrifice to that. But for me, I wouldn't sacrifice everything just for that. I, yeah, would, find, yeah. I, would, I would find a balance. Yeah, because right. Because I think if you, if you sacrifice everything just for that, you're going to betray, upset, disappoint people, your spouse, your children, whatever, your friends. Yeah. And three months might be nice if you can spend your half a day without having to worry about anything else yeah. just to write. I mean, a bit, un- bit unrealistic, you think? We'd love to have that, that future where, where I can wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning, sit down with a cup of tea and watch, you know, watch the, the sunrise, then go to my office, write from 9 till, till 1, have lunch, and then spend my afternoon doing emails and reading and running around gaily through the forest. But I have a life, I have a full-time job. Um, yeah. It's a demanding job that I do like, as a teacher, as an, mm. as an English teacher. Like, yay, yay for marking. Um, so I like what he says, but at the same time, I sort of go, you do you and I'll do me. Yeah, that's fair. I pay that. Um, uh, anyone else want to talk on that, the three-month thing? Because I, I actually, if I'm writing, like I, I do, I have to do the 1,000 words a day. I can't just do 20. I just feel too slow. I have to, I have to run at a sprint, and if I'm not sprinting, then I'm dying. Like I need to go fast and get it out and get it done, and then I feel oh, like if I have a list of jobs to do, oftentimes it doesn't matter if the jobs are done okay or not even that good as long as they're done and i can tick them off my list that's my vibe i'll, so, <laughs> I'll chime in if um if that's all right uh, yeah Rita. absolutely yeah um i yeah i actually really i agree with the spirit of the the advice and whether it's three months or four months or six months like whatever um and and that's just because for me like with i've found with a writing project i have like there's like a finite amount of mental space i have to care about it and if if i can get the first bit done the first, like the roughest bit done as quickly as possible then i have more like mental <laughs> it's mental space or mental cares to give um to actually get it to the end so i know that like uh you know spending uh forever or or like much longer um then i i just run out of like the basically you know energy to care about it and um i the what i want to get it's like i want to get to the end and feel like i'm still trying and not feel like i'm just slogging it out but um actually on something um Adam just said, which I think is really, really right. It's a, it's a, it's a real, like, I think one of the like hardest things about learning to write or writing or whatever is this thing of like, as Adam said, you do you, I'll do me. There, there is no, like every single person that I've ever spoken to, every single writer has had a really different way Mm. of doing it. And writing a novel is such like it's such a massive thing to do that even slight differences in um, how you do it kind of quite dramatically 
change the effort that you have to put in or that sort of thing. And so if you were not, say, say for example, like if you're someone who, even just through, you know, like your responsibilities in life, you, you can't physically write that much, right? Write a thousand words a day or do a first draft in three months then trying to do that, being prescriptive to someone else's rules, you're going to have a horrible time and you're going to hate it and the book's probably not going to come out that great and then you're going to think, oh, I'm really crap at this. This is horrible. I'm never going to do this again. One of the hardest things to do is like figure out your way of doing it and um, sometimes, I, sometimes I think genuinely like the people who seem to succeed much faster are the ones who happen to land on the right way of doing it for them first go. Do you know mm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you if you don't land on that the first way, then all of a sudden you have to have a lot of perseverance because you, yeah. you're fighting through things that you're not actually suited for. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Um, Danica, what about you? What do you think about this idea? Like you've only got three months. How long How long did the torrent take? First draft. Um yeah, look, the torrent took about probably the first draft took around, I reckon, six or seven months-ish. Um, and sort of, yeah, I, I guess my perspective on it is, like, I totally agree, you you have to do you. And, and, and that version of doing you is also just depends on where you, like, where you're at in your life as well. You know, like what I did in the first draft when my daughter was one years old and she was literally sitting next to me the majority of that time watching Wiggles and I had to write, you know, that, Mm -hmm. you know, whilst doing that like once a week because that was my writing time is different to what I do now. So it changes as kids get old and you get more free time. It changes with your work and, you know, where you are with life, like your financial situation, if you can devote, like if you're, if you're financially secure and can devote more time to writing and, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things that go on. And so I think, yeah, like I think it's, it's um, you're setting yourself up for failure if you just go, okay, well, this is, you know, you have to do 2,000 words or 1,000 words or 500, whatever it is, right? <laughs> and but, but at the same time, you have to, if you're lucky enough to find what works, go for it, you know, and you can't, like, I mean, you know, like on Twitter, right, like when you were doing that three-month thing and you were posting and, you and, and, you know, there's that like certain emerging writers or certain writers would look at that and go, oh, God, I should be doing that. You know what I mean? But you can't get caught up in someone else's journey because like in in that way anyway, because if that's not your style, like you can't like, oh, God, I'm doing the wrong thing because I'm not doing, you know, 2,000 words because I certainly... <laughs> you know, yeah. and it, like there is no way possible. Like, I don't think I've ever written two thousand words in my like a day in, in yeah, my right. life. Yeah, right. Yep. So there's, there's no way I will be able to do that. So, um, like for me, it's it's about like I I literally have the opposite way of writing. In that, I I just I go from chapter one to the end. That's how I do it, and I cannot get to chapter two until I'm happy with chapter one. That's how I do it. I, you know, and if that takes, you know, it takes as long as it takes. Yeah. And it usually takes about between, you know, six and seven or around eight months. Yeah. So that's that's wow. my time frame. But I don't worry about that because there's no point of worrying about that because, like, that's my process. So it gets. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I like that advice. Like, useful advice, Mr. King, but 
no thank you we'll just do the thing that we can do and the thing that makes can us I, can i ask danuka a follow-up question uh, go ahead I've, I... so i just wanted to ask a question about your first draft so you mentioned that first draft uh of the torrent had your one-year-old next to you watching the wiggles so was the first draft of the torrent like about the murder of children's entertainers <laughs> Yes, in fact, it was. <laughs> and it was, and the and the working title was "Wiggle No More." Man, you give me so many ideas. No, <laughs> yeah. Actually, the, the, the sequel is the uh, big uh, red bloody car. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> exactly. Brutal. Oh dear. We've yeah. gone into wiggle murder. My gosh. <laughs> wiggle yeah. murder. That, you're gonna cause a you're gonna cause a Twitter storm. My God. Every time there's a there's a wiggle issue, like Twitter goes off. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they're so litigious as well. They're gonna come after Ben. Me? I didn't say it. That yeah. was you. <laughs> you're the one wanting to yeah, murder but- the wiggles, Alex. Duke loves. Actually, no, I believe that is Danuka who wrote the book about murdering Wiggles. <laughs> I wrote, no one will ever see that first draft. It never, yes, just lives on my laptop. Yeah. And I say another it. title would be Jeff is never going to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> no wake up, Jeff. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Poor Jeff. So I wanted to talk quickly. What I did was I went through all of your old tweets, which took a while. And I was, I've been reading all of your different tweets about writing. And so I've pulled out a couple here. So I wanted to talk just for you guys to just quickly unpack what you were thinking when you wrote this. Um, Adam, you're pretty good. You love tweeting. You have a good tweet about your writing process. Um, and this was one that you tweeted today, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I might have got my days mixed up. But I've started work on this novella idea and I've realized it's going to take me quite some time. No, sorry. It's going to take me to some quite contemplative, perhaps even quite mentally dark places. I think I'm going to write it piecemeal to form a frame, then return on the second pass to truly understand what I want to say. So what are you thinking with that, mate? So that's that's where you're at today. Is that right? That was um yesterday. Ah, okay, cool. When um what I was I what I was looking for that was looking at the the subject matter of this potential novella and realized that if I want to make this authentic, I'm gonna to have to really put myself into places I may not want to go myself. And I think as part of what I was looking at there is going, okay what does it mean for my character, my narrator, um, and the other characters in connection with that narrator uh, in terms of, I'm trying to work out what can, I, what can I give away here? Because I wanted to look at aspects of masculinity in this narrative and look at, at it from me as this middle-aged white guy um, and to understand that there are still so many things that affect our masculinity. Mm. And if if men are still dying at a particularly alarming rate, then what is it that is happening through our lives and our generations? And so that was the, the hence the, the idea of the tweet saying, if I want to understand 
what men are going through. I'm going to, have to put myself in, into their shoes in a very dark way. Mm. Um, and to really think through the ramifications of what it means in this story. And, wow. and so part of that was trying to understand how I think, how I, as a middle-aged, you know, guy think. Um, and that for me, I suppose, I'm going to harken back to what I released last year is the stories in my little chat book are reflective of that mindset that one of, I uh, had a reader get in touch with me and say, oh, I loved chapter six, which is when I was putting the book together, it was the, the story that I'd written probably later in, in the, the structure of things, but it was the one that I realized was the core of the entire narrative, these 10 independent stories. But that was the story that actually was like the, the first drop of the stone and the ripples of that event impacted every other story in a different way. And so in doing so with that particular story and extrapolating from that into this new piece of work, that it is going to have to really engage with some quite dark, dark thinking in terms of what it means for men, mm. fathers, husbands, etc. Yeah. To, to do what we do and understand what that means to us and how it impacts ourselves and our families, our jobs, etc. Um, so kind of like, like unpacking the patriarchy, I suppose, a little bit in that respect so that right. was the, the background to my tweet very deep thoughts on this idea <laughs> just uh, it's your bag man like you love that sort yep. of philosophic thoughtful thing that's yeah, really cool mm. um alex your tweet uh you said this at the point in the manuscript revision where it could be the best it's ever been or it could be utter crap such a reassuring feeling <laughs> so can you unpack what that why is that reassuring that that state of unknown or with that sarcasm uh, yeah um i mean i think it probably was sarcasm but there, there is also i guess i guess something to the like when you're in the moment of that sort of um you know when you're kind of like deep enough into the uh revising of a, a revision of a manuscript or whatever then there is a kind of point where you do kind of lose a bit of perspective about whether something is kind of good or not. And that can be quite, quite exciting, I think, um, because it's a little bit like, um, I don't know, you, you just kind of don't know, know, which, uh, know which way it's going to go. I, did I say that was reassuring in the tweet? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so I, that must have been sarcastic because it's not at all reassuring. It's actually quite <laughs> terrifying. Um, it can go so. well, I guess. Yeah, I so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it can be good, it can be bad, but that, that's the exciting thing about it, I guess, is um, the you, do, you don't really know. The exciting and terrifying thing is you don't really know which way it's going to go. Mm, yeah, cool. Um, and Danica, it's actually quite hard to find a tweet where you've talked about writing. You, your tweet's... Like you, you retweet a lot of other authors. You seem to be really involved in like, look at all these other people's books, which is really cool, which I really loved um, going through your, your tweets. But uh, just strangely enough today, uh, a thing was published on HarperCollins <laughs> website about your writing, which was so good. It was like a gift that came to me <laughs> like a few hours ago. 
Um, so I caught this quote from that article that you wrote. And it said this, overnight I had achieved my publishing dream. I was deliriously happy, but also terrified. Oh, I put a brave face on it on social media and to my wonderful publishing team, but mainly I felt terror. Did I really deserve this? Was my writing good enough? Even as I got positive feedback from my editors, my internal negative voice kept gnawing at me, serving up a steady stream of doubt and insecurity. So that's very uh, vulnerable of you to say, which I really admire. And I love to chat about, uh, yeah, what, what? how are you feeling now? Like, are you still this, this, still feeling a little bit of insecurity about like this, the quality of your book? Like, because I've just seen Bram Presser and Val McDimond and like all these people just raving about this book. Ben Hobson wrote a nice tweet about it. Who's that? I don't know who that is. Okay. Just not in the league of the other two, but you know, uh, <laughs> no, but you know, like, do you still feel like that? Are you still dealing with that internal sort of monster? Uh, yeah, like to an extent, I think, you know, partly I think that's just my personality. Like I will worry something until there's nothing, you know, you know what I mean? That until mm. there's nothing left to worry. Like I will just, you know, worry it to death. And that's kind of how I work because uh, I work on the worst case scenario always. Um, but, but I mean, I think, you know, in terms of the, the writing insecurities and that, that article, you know, cause as you know, Ben, you know, like you do all these blog posts, you know, ahead of the, you know, for the publicity schedule and, and, and that was written sort of uh, pre-Christmas um, or like a few, yeah, I think yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, October, November, sometime like that. Um, wow, yeah. But yeah, so that was written a little while back. But um, I do remember. Well, I mean, that that anxiety was absolutely real. I remember particularly in the typesetting stage where I think that whole stage of final proofreads mm-hmm. was done in a state of absolute anxiety because I, I felt like, oh my god, this is actually going out. I cannot change this anymore. And, you know, and it felt excruciating um, because because I've never done it. Like I'd never experienced that. Uh, and for me, um, the, the whole point of it was this, this was this is literally the first of my words that are out in the world. Like I haven't had I don't have that string of publications. I don't have short stories written. I don't, you know, not not for the want of trying, <laughs> but you know, that there's no kind of trail of publication behind me. There's no yes, kind of there's no kind of previous manuscripts that I've learnt my craft on where now I feel comfortable you know what I mean like it all felt completely brand new I'm, I'm like you know um building it as I'm learning it or whatever that saying is you know yeah. um and, and 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 on top of that there was like the the title of a there was the accolade of, of, of a win. And so it had to meet that expectation and everybody and everybody in this writing community had over like, I mean, I'd want it in September 2020 and it's coming out in 2022. So for all that entire period, there's all, all these people supporting you on the basis of you being nice on Twitter. Like, they have literally not read a word. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's nothing of me out there. So it's like, I, to me, it felt like this huge thing of expectation because, like, they're all being so nice to me and I'm not going to meet they've taken a leap of faith with me and I'm not going to meet that, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, so it, it kind of crashed in on me a little bit. Um, and I, 
that stage I was in a bear and so that that article was was like a bleaching of that poison for me to mm. to kind of go oh my god I this is this feels <laughs> really kind of quite anxiety uh you know, causing at that stage. You know, yes, and then since then, you know, everybody has been so nice and, you know, I will allow part of my brain to believe that, you know, it could be, you know, potentially okay uh, because in my head. <laughs> you just qualified that so much. Like it might maybe be potentially uh, could be semi-okay, I guess. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like okay. I totally get it. Like I get it. I've been, I've been there. I still feel like that. I still feel that way even now. Knowing someone's reading my stuff, you're just like, oh. Yeah. Can I say? It's always, yeah, sorry. No, 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 I was just going to say it's almost like it's, it's not the unknown readers. It's, it's the people you know. Yes. That, 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 that's, I mean, like, as I said in the article, one of the side effects of, of social media is you connect with actual writers that you you have on your shelves and who are suddenly, you know, and you who you respect and you're like, oh, my God, that writing's so good. And then they suddenly turn around and go, oh, yeah, I'd love to read you. You're like, why? Why not? <laughs> you're just like, you're a, you know what I mean? Yes, so absolutely. for me, it just it feels, it feels wrong to... That, that you know so um yeah so anyway like so that was yeah I was that anxiety was definitely real I mean it has calmed down a little bit definitely like the excitement is, is building but um but yeah I, I mean I don't think I will ever lose it totally and in a way sort of I think you need a little bit of anxiety all the time no that's you know to keep you hungry if you know what I mean like oh, I get you. You, I get you never want to you never want to get to a point where you go oh I'm amazing like too comfy yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, right yeah, yeah. Too, too comfortable but yeah can I say when um when I first got my to become a whale final printed like the final one that was going to the store like that moment when you open that box and you see your name and it's the official like it's not just the you know, the arc where the, the printing's yes. not as pristine, like it's mm, like so exciting. And I open it up and the very first thing I read is a mistake. Oh, God. Oh, no. And the mistake was in the acknowledgements and it was a person's name. And this person had read the book and provided all this historical detail on the Tangalima whaling station and just like was a, so just wouldn't be a book without this man. And I mucked his name up and it wasn't even just a muck up. It was an embarrassing muck up. Oh no. And you know what, Ben, he's contacted me and he's told me that he doesn't, he thinks about that every day. <laughs> so you should feel very bad about yourself. <laughs> Can I say <laughs> thanks, yeah. thanks, thank you? Uh, can I say when I because I gave him a copy of the book, I had to cross his name out, and I wrote oh, no. I wrote his real name, and I said sorry. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Hang on, I'm gonna find it for you. I'll show you. It's been oh, that would be mixed up in further editions of it, but uh, yeah. Yeah, see, even now when I'm saying it, I'm still nervous I'm going to get his name wrong. Look, so it's it's right here where it says, uh, I don't know whether you can see it. It says David, David Jones. Jones. His name's David Meyer. 
Are you serious? Wow. Or is that the So you can see why I got it mucked up. I mucked up my department stores. Danuka, don't laugh too hard at me. <laughs> that's uh, that's a lot worse. I thought it would have been like oh. you called him David Bones or something. <laughs> oh. It, it could be David Kmart, you know, just to oh, get the theme going. <laughs> See, they, David Best is less. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have worked. <laughs> they don't put the acknowledgements in the drafting bits. That just goes in the end version. So that's where I hadn't done the proofread of it, or even though I had. Oh, my gosh. So what that means, Ben, is any one of us could read the acknowledgements of your book and look at the names. And just think you're acknowledging us, but you've got the names completely wrong. Yes, that's right. <laughs> all of you, all of you are very special to me. Yes. <laughs> I, I was joking a few years ago to a friend that uh, my plan was to be in as many acknowledgements as possible in the future. Like even if I got nothing else ever written myself, my plan was to be in as many acknowledgement sections in the back of books. I think I'm in three so far, so I'm doing well. Cool. You were sort of cool. well. See that. That trauma then meant in Snake Island, I didn't have any acknowledgements because I was too, well, there's a lot of reasons, but one of them was I was too nervous that I was going to muck it up again. <laughs> so, Adam, you should have got an acknowledgement in that one, but I just left it out. <laughs> Which then, oh, anyway, sorry. Yeah. So, anyway, Danuki, you're not going to have that experience at least. Right. Okay. All right. I've Plus, got, okay, great. You also just don't talk about it publicly for, how long ago was that? <laughs> Four years. Yes. Statute of limitations. I'm okay now. I've I've, I've healed. Um, Has he forgiven you? <laughs> we no longer speak. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was no. He. Was, I, I wouldn't speak to you if you did that to me. No, I don't blame him. I would just strike you off. The, you know. <laughs> he was actually incredibly lovely. He was honestly one of the most lovely people. Like, he, there was this older man. He'd written the book on Tangaluma. He'd gone there as a kid, and he was so gracious and lovely. And it made me feel much, much worse about getting it all. <laughs> uh, um, well, on that positive note, uh, <laughs> we might finish up, but I, I just want to finish up with a, a question to all three of you. Um Actually, you know what? We'll finish up with two different questions. The first one, if you wouldn't mind, and we'll go through these a bit rapid fire. Um, the first question is, how do you stay motivated? So if you're facing rejection or you're not sure this is working out or you read back your writing for the day and you just think, this is complete garbage, I'm an imposter, I can't do this, what keeps you going? What's the fuel that keeps you going? Let's start with uh, Danuka. Um, just the fact that I get to do it, you know, uh, because I, I, as I, as I kind of, kind of said before, you know, writing is a very new thing for me. So the fact that I just get to do it, like it's still, I mean, I, for example, write not at my desk because my desk signifies work. Mm. So I get to write and the laptop, you know, I mean, you know, wherever, and I usually write on the couch or in bed and like, so I get to do that. So, Yeah. The fact that I get to do that just makes me keep going. So you enjoy it. That's really still, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's still, it's still in, it's still fun. Yeah, nice. That's awesome. Uh, Adam, what about you? For me, it's the fact I know I've got a community that if things aren't going well, I can whinge to them you know, mm. in the WhatsApp group or you can vent to Twitter because no one reads it anyway. Um, but, but well, you can have, like, 
Yeah, Ben does. Um, I do, yeah. But I think, I think it's at that sense where, depending upon where you are in the project, whether it's a first draft or whether you're editing, I think that's going to change how you approach your own motivation. If you if it's a first draft, you know it's going to be rubbish. You keep going because that's you're giving yourself permission to go for it. If it's editing phase, you're probably being far more critical, and hence you are going to be needing a bit more motivation to keep that going. Otherwise, you keep stopping, going. Oh, but this is not working. Blah blah blah. But you've still got to give some the self, give yourself that understanding that I am working to improve this and make my idea, my concept shine, make it polished better. Mm. Um, that that's how I keep motivated. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, and Alex, what about you, mate? Um, I think uh, two things. Like, you know, it's fun. I like doing it. And so, um, you know, at times it can feel like a bit of a slog. But overall, like, you know, it's very rewarding. So um, that, you know, that, that helps, obviously. And if you're thinking about, you know, being, uh, you know, successful or you know being published traditionally or whatever then you know having talked to plenty of authors it's like every it's a tale as old as time like people struggle and struggle and struggle and put in hard work and then they get you know like there's an element of luck to it you get the right thing at the right time and all of a sudden it's published so i think it's um you know you just got to it's a it's a real perseverance um thing i think I hope yeah. Anyway. <laughs> no. Um, I think so yeah, I think you know. Yeah, it's it's fun, and also like you just gotta. It's part. It's the game. You just gotta keep on going till you get there. Yeah, that's good. It's wise to sort of acknowledge. Like it is hard. It is hard to keep persevering. Sometimes you just gotta do the hard work. Um, and then lastly, guys, what's uh, what's the next thing? What's the next project? What's the thing you're excited about in your lives at the moment? Uh, what's going on? Uh, let's start. We'll go back in the other order. Alex, we'll start with you. Um, so at the moment, I am, well, I'm waiting to hear on um, uh, some things about the manuscript um, that was highly commended in the 2021 Fogarty. Still waiting to hear back about that. But I've been um, putting some thought into my next project, uh, next manuscript which is um, a little bit different, um, but still in the same vein. Um, uh, WA set thriller, which, um, you know, I've been getting some feedback on the outline from uh, from uh, lovely writing community. So I'm trying to shape that up uh, as um, I actually trying a slightly different process this time where, as I said earlier, like I only have a, certain amount of mental energy that I can devote to one thing so what I'm trying to do is write a really detailed outline and stress test the outline before I even start Mm. um try and iron out some uh you know as many kinks as I can find at the start um to make the process a bit easier so that's what I'm working on at the moment yeah cool uh we'll go let's go to Nika next what are you what's your next thing well torrent obviously Ah. is the big thing at the moment but (laughs) Yeah, so, um, you know, I've been very fortunate. They've um, So, obviously, while I was writing sort of um, The Torrent and, you know, 
querying the torrent, I was writing sort of the second in that um, series. And so um, I managed to finish that off in October uh, last year. And was it October? Yeah, maybe it was October. Anyway, um, <laughs> Harper Collins have accepted it. So yay. So we've got, um, yeah. yay. So, uh, so they've, so, I guess um, I think they're looking to publish that in the following year, 2023, and they've put uh, a little sneak peek of that actually in the final version of the torrent. So the back, oh, you know, the sneak cool. peek. yeah, Ooh. yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, cool. yeah. And then now I'm staring at a complete blank page for manuscript. manuscript ah, that's fun stage. Yes. That, yes. That's sneak peek in the that's sneak peek at the end of the the book. That's a real power commercial move that's like yeah, it is like chris <laughs> hammer does that that's pretty cool yes <laughs> michael connelly does that that's the thing to do right, okay well, yeah. There you go. yeah um yes so anyway so yeah so it's literally i think i've written like 500 words of that yeah so nice yeah. nice yeah. <laughs> it's uh, a start. yeah yes. gotta, gotta get those 500 words down um and yep. Adam, what about you um, I've got a couple of things on the go at the moment. As I said before, I've got a novella in the process that I'm just, just started. That's happening at the moment. I've got a novella that I want to edit later this year, which is going to tap into um, my epistolary novel, Postmark Piper's Reach, which will also go along with a novel that Jody's writing in the same world space. That's two. And then thirdly, if things go well, our collective will have a novel out later this year, which the three of us have been writing, um, which is a whole bunch of fun. When we gave ourselves permission to write and permission to just do with it as we will, I think we had the best fun ever, the three of us writing a chapter at a time. Um, and we've, we've got about a chapter or two each left to write, and then we can go back and edit this thing and polish it up because there's a few gaps in the, in the storytelling. But that was such a fun adventure to, to write. Mm. Um, and we just had so much fun with it and we're sharing the chapters every couple of weeks and the chat would go off on the whatsapp going hey this comes through like oh that is so awesome and just just playing around with each other and going that's so cool um and so when you've got your own little little cheer squad it's fantastic yeah Uh, because you've got a built-in audience that you i'm writing for two other people they get to say this is great or yeah can we work on that which yeah. is also fine yeah um, so there's three things i've got going this year and if things work out they will come out this year very cool all or, right or at least at least two of them anyway yeah right um all right so uh all you guys out in podcast land uh thank you for listening to this episode Please, uh, Alex Duke, Danuka McKenzie, and Adam Byatt. Go and, you know, search their names up on Twitter. Find their Twitter profiles. Give them a follow. And, uh, yeah, you know, look out for all three of them in the future. And even now, uh, you know, Danuka and we'll have a book out by the time this podcast comes out. And Adam's got a couple out. And, um, Alex, I know that you'll have something out soon. So uh, thank you guys very much for the chat. I appreciate it. And I appreciate being mocked openly on my own podcast. That was wonderful. Um... (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) That was nice. Uh, No, it was great. I loved having a chat. So uh, yeah, looking forward to whatever you guys have to do next. And uh, yeah, thank you again.